Today on the ZabeCast, NFL draft drama has never been higher. Thanks to the league's most inept team having about 37 different ways to screw it up. Don't blow it, brownies. We got Mike Francesa on his way back to WFAN. The big ginger Tim Murray is in the house. All that plus tortilla crime just doesn't pay. If you've got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go. Here we go. Tuesday, April 24th, 2018. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. Of course, one day after I praise Russell Westbrook right here on the Zabecast, he and his Thunder get routed by the Jazz. And Westbrook picks up four fouls in the first half trying to, quote, shut that shit down on Ricky Rubio. And he starts a fight in the second half, or a near fight, a near brawl with a clothesline that was definitely a cheap shot. Okay. It's not Russell Westbrook's best night. I'll grant you that. I never said he was perfect. I just said... He was my favorite player. So in full honesty and full transparency, I went to bed last night and did not have this game on, didn't watch it. But I woke up and I started reading the tweets and the recaps and seeing snippets of it. And I said, okay, I need to go get the full highlight package to get the full scope of just what happened last night. Because all I saw was the Mitt Romney holding up four fingers wearing his uh, Rodney Hood number five jazz jersey, but it said Romney on the back and a dress shirt underneath, and of course the internet nearly died wetting its pants and laughter and making funny memes and jokes and everything else. So anyway, I went to go get the highlights. Now this is a complaint that's ongoing with me, and if I've made it before here on the ZabeCast, I apologize, but I'm going to make it again. So I'm like, okay, everyone says we can't just have regular sports center in the morning because everyone gets their highlights on their phone. You can get your highlights online whenever you want. Okay, fine. I said, I'm gonna, I, I want a highlight package of everything that happened in the Jazz-Oklahoma City game. And I want it, you know, where would I go to get it? On the internet. I said, I could go to NBA.com, but let me go to ESPN, because I'm hoping for some ESPN-ish treatment, you know, with the ESPN announcers. And more than just the clips you'll get on NBA.com. So I find the game recap on the NBA scoreboard at ESPN.com, and I... Go ahead and play it. Now, of course, I've got to sit through a 30-second commercial because, hey, nothing's free. People have to pay for shit. Right. Except for the Zabecast. That is free for now. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's always going to be free. Some version will always be free. Game four, Thunder visiting the Jazz. In game three, Ricky Rubio was big. Had a triple-double. Russell Westbrook. Now, the first thing I noticed playing this was, hey, wait a minute. That's not anyone I know and their voice on Sports Center. That's not an A-level head. This is some digital wannabe who thinks he's going to be the next Dan Patrick, who is debt or Scott Van Pelt, and he is now grinding away doing these online recaps. Okay, I'll give him a chance. He sounds okay. Here's his thoughts. He made some shots. Um, you know, too comfortable. Um, but I'm going to shut that <laughs> next game, though. Guarantee that. Oh, snap. Okay, Westbrook, right. Rubio, matched up throughout the night. First quarter, Russ goes glass. Nice bucket. Ensuing inbounds, Westbrook. Russ I think that was a flop, by the way. The foul. the foul they just showed there. That's I can't see second. it, Zabe. It's a Zabe cast. Now we go to the second quarter. I think it was the second Rubio foul he got. Attacking 
Rejected by Westbrook. I didn't think that was a foul either. I think there was a little bit of contact there, but okay. I can't believe it. Block charge. Just over 130 to go. And there's his fourth and foul. Guess what? Another foul in the first half. On Westbrook. Four in the first half. I think Rubio flopped at least twice. Another one of the fouls was a little bit boards, questionable. Foul trouble clearly hampered his performance. In the third quarter, Rubio to Rudy Gobert for the alley oop. Rubio, 13 points, 8 assists. By the way, this highlight package has zero, exactly zero, Oklahoma City Thunder highlights. It's all jazz highlights. There's no, you know, it's as if OKC wasn't in the game at all. And I know they, at the end, were getting blown out. Meanwhile, temper starting to flare at the 530 mark. Jay Crowder fouled, gets caught between several Thunder players. He wasn't fouled. He was clotheslined by Westbrook. See Mitchell there. Seems pretty excited. Take another look at what happened with Crowder. He was jawing with Carmelo, then hit Steven Adams in the face. The Jazz go on to win 113-96. Okay, now let's just stop and recap there. That was two minutes and seven seconds of the supposed full recap online of, hey, Thunder Jazz, you don't need Sports Center. Everyone gets their highlights on their phone. There was no sound bites of the players afterwards talking to Westbrook saying, what'd you think? Same thing for Rubio. There is no inclusion of the highlight of the night, which was the Mitt Romney thing, holding up four fingers. You know Sports Center would have done that. I'm sure they did do that. No A-list announcers, and there's no analyst afterwards going, I'll tell you what, here's why Oklahoma City Thunder is, here's why the Thunder are flaming out right now. Here's where Carmelo Anthony needs to step up. Here's why the chemistry is not be right between Westbrook and Paul George. Here, none of that. You don't get any of that in this package. And I know you're going to say, well, go to Sports Center for that, which is actually in the mornings on ESPN2, a regular Sports Center. And I'm like, okay, I will. But... Why are you telling me, everyone, that nobody wants highlights anymore, that the old model of Sports Center is broken because of the digital age? I don't want I, I want the full treatment. And it would have been nice, you know, they use editors to cut up these digital highlight packages that are not the best editors either at ESPN. And so they put together an edited package that is not very balanced. I mean, you gotta show me one or two. Good Oklahoma City Thunder plays. You have to in a two-minute package. And how do you leave Romney out of it? Like, that's the best visual in the highlight package. Jazz 113, Thunder 96. Uh, the Rockets just waylaid the Timberwolves 119 to 100, including a 50-point third quarter. <laughs> 50. On pace for 200 points in the game. Uh, 119. Since when do we give scores on the Zabe cast? We don't. And with that, let's say hi to Tim Murray. Tim Murray of SB Nation AM joins us here on the Zavecast. Good morning, Mr. Murray. How are you? I'm great. I'm glad to be back. I I thought the terrible reviews would uh, scare you away, but as many people have told me, you just need 51% of the people to like you. you. Fuck the haters, man. The haters don't know what they don't know, and they're going to come around on you. And besides, for every... Not for every one negative Nelly, there was nine positive. No, it was. I'm joking. There was one or two negative douchebags out there, but for the most part, people people love to have Zabe and uh, 
and me back together. It was well, fun. But the thing is, too, there's now a shtick. There is now a shtick of no matter what you do, you could give out the cure to cancer on the air and be like, yeah, but I didn't like how he said it, asshole, Murray. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. I was told I, I have to, uh, there was a request, uh, so I have to, I have to. Uh, your levels I, are I, your levels are higher. I'm looking I'm at a man right of the, And I'm a man of the people. Uh, New York 14, Minnesota 1. Ah, there you go. Uh, Cleveland 2, Fucking Baltimore Fucking Didi Gregorius just hitting bombs. Look at you, night. baseball guy. <laughs> I'm, allowed to know one, I'm allowed to know one small fact about a game last night. <laughs> uh, Oakland 9, yes, Texas there you 4. Go. All right, we're good. Well, that, I feel enough, good. Of the, enough of the baseball. Let's start with the football because you have been scouting the draft. We are, we are now closing in on three days until the draft. And... It's going to be a blockbuster draft. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be so fucking good. Yesterday I said, man, I remember the 2013 draft with Luke Jokel and Eric Fisher. Stink, stank, stunk. In fact, the third highest drafted player was Lane Johnson. Or I'm sorry, he was drafted fourth by the Eagles. So in other words, you had O-linemen go three of the top four picks. Ugh. And they were like, no trades either. Yeah. This is going to be trade of Palooza. Barkevius Mingo was the sixth overall pick in that draft. Barkevius Mingo. At least he's still in the league, right? I Old believe Barky so. Mingo. Undersized rush end out of Alabama. Man, that was that a no. Right? I'm looking back at that draft. There was there was no sexiness in that Nothing. draft at it all. It was death is what it was. This is shaping up to be one of the most rock and roll blockbuster. Who's going to do what? trade-filled drafts ever, and it's at Jerry World. Why, that's right. We might even get up in the mix as well. Don't discount us. I've been looking at the stage they're building in Jerry World for the draft, and it is massive. And I have to stop myself and remember the earliest footage, young Tim, of when ESPN said, please let us televise this, and the NFL said, why? And ESPN said, because we're tired of putting truck pulls on the air. And besides, we do think people might find it interesting. And the footage of the early NFL drafts, literally in the courtyard and ballrooms of, of like Marriott's. And now look at it. It's in Jerry World. Spectacular. It's and elevating. now three, count them, three television networks will be airing the NFL draft. Three networks. It's now a traveling road show. And there are cities vying and bidding for this thing. Like, ooh, 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 we want it. The draft lasts three days now, whereas it used to just start on a Saturday and go all day. And I think they mopped up on a Sunday back in the day. Yeah, they used to do one through three uh, Saturday. And it used to be 15 minutes in between picks in the first round, which was brutal. Is that what it used to be, 15? Yeah. And what is it now? and they did four through seven. I believe it's ten minutes for the first round, five minutes for the second round, and then I don't even know if they put up a clock post-second round. I think they're just like, make your fucking pick. Let's go. Oh, hurry up. Exactly. Yeah. What if the draft went like fantasy drafts in which if a team knew who they wanted, they could just click select right away, and it accelerated things, and it made you know the draft go even faster? Would that, what year would was that, that Zay? Would that suck, or would that be great? I think that would be great. 
You do? What year was it when Mike but Tice see, forgot to? What, what year was it when Mike Tice forgot to turn in his card? Uh, the Vikings missed their pick one year. It was like ten years ago, and they had to slip down one pick. I think it was that was. I don't think they go to the end of the line. I'll talk to Church about that. I've got him. No, they don't. Pass. They they just keep going back, and then teams are racing up because they could beat them to that pick. I want to say that was that was nuts. <laughs> that's that's pretty bad. You spent all this time, all these months. You have all these people in the war room, and it's like, uh, uh, are we picking somebody? Oh shit, we missed the deadline. Damn it, what's wrong with you? And of course, Mike Tice just looks like such a dope, nice guy, nice fella, but with the with the look like a butcher with that grease pencil behind his ear, dummy. So, I want to know what you think is going to happen in the draft. Because gonna happen versus should happen are two different things. I want first the Tim Murray. Here's what's gonna happen in the draft. I think there is a very legitimate shot, and we talked about this a bit last week, that there will be four quarterbacks drafted in the first five picks. With the only abstention from quarterback being, being the Browns again. The Browns a second time. Yeah. Okay. So I think... I think all this smoke out there, and and that's what the beauty of this past couple weeks is, is you've got the Cleveland Browns talking about, oh, you know, we we might like Josh Allen. Oh, we might take two quarterbacks, one and four. Oh, we like Baker Mayfield. I think push comes to shove, they do end up drafting Sam Darnold. Okay. And, and then I guess if you draft Sam Darnold, then, then the Giants might not go quarterback, even though you are adamantly opposed to that. I well look. I think they should take a quarterback. When are they going to be up here this high again that's with true. all these different guys available to them? Running backs. I know Saquon Barkley's silly, but running backs get hurt. There are so period. many good running backs in this class too. Uh, yes, potentially. Although I saw Sony Michelle might have a medical red flag on him now. Uh, now it's it's just it's that it's that time. <laughs> but there's other this, guys. There's other guys out Darius there. Darius well. Geis is great. Uh, you know. All right. There, so back to the smoke screens, though. Like you saw the report last week, Kevin Clark writing for the Ringer, and Kevin's a very good writer and knows his stuff. But he is not immune to being used by teams that want to sell a story out there. Kevin Clark wrote that. Hey, don't laugh, but the Browns are actually kicking around the idea of why don't we take a quarterback with both picks in the top four, and double our chances that one of the guys are good. He actually wrote that. Now, as I think about it now, this is probably the Browns saying, oh, no, we really believe this, and convincing Kevin Clark to then write it because it puts pressure on other teams that might want to trade up to go get a quarterback if they soak up two of the five elite quarterbacks. Am I right? Well, that's the whole thing, is that the Browns desperately want the number two pick to be used on a quarterback because – much as McCagnan can say, I don't know why the Jets GM, I don't know. Why is everyone so enamored with the quarterback? Because you don't have a quarterback. Listen here, motherfucker. You traded two second-round picks this year and a second next year to move up three spots six weeks ago. You're drafting a quarterback at three. That is a guaranteed <laughs> lock. You are drafting a quarterback. You're not moving up three picks, Zabe, and going, well, you know, maybe Quentin Nelson there. He's pretty good. We might draft. No, you don't draft a guard after trading those assets. So, McCagnan, shut the fuck up. You know you're drafting a quarterback. But 
What the Browns desperately want, Zabe, is number two to be used on a quarterback, whether that's the Giants using it there, somebody trading up. Because then at four, what do the Browns have? They have the pick of everybody. They can get Bradley Chubb. They could get Saquon Barkley. They get the best player in the draft at number four. So but so why don't they just hope... get the best player at one? Like, if you're going to try because to then... execute this elaborate ruse, what's the difference between getting – Barkley at four and a quarterback at one versus Barkley at one and a quarterback at four. Well, because this franchise has been desperate forever for a quarterback, so you want to pick get, your. They're going to get a quarterback at four. It may but not you be may the not, one they but love, but you may not get your guy. You might get ah. Josh Allen, who sucks. Well, guess what? You're you might not, get him at one too. Guess what? You're not that smart to know which one is actually the best. I know. Every team thinks they're smart enough to go, no, this guy's the best. No, this guy's the best. At the end of the day, you don't fucking know, basically. They're all clustered together. They all have a certain weakness to them. But wouldn't you rather miss on a quarterback at one than than for a third straight year? Because now this franchise has the has the stigma of, well, this franchise traded out and Carson Wentz was picked. Well, there they could have got Deshaun yeah, Watson. Right. So what happens if they went by your plan? They went Saquon Barkley, and he's very good. I, I think he'll be very good in the NFL. But Josh Allen or Josh Rosen goes two or three, and they're a fucking baller. Boy, and now you, by you're the way. sitting there. I should point out to you that technically you could be cited for swearing at us like that. I think you're out of coupons for this uh, Zabecast today. <laughs> Love it. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. I get excited. No, that's okay. Well, okay, that's understood. You all make very good points there. Now, what if the Browns said, oh, <laughs> we're not done with the process yet. We're going to take... Barkley and Chubb a running back at a defensive end we're rolling into this year with Tyrod Taylor we're gonna probably win seven games maybe we're gonna have a hell of a year we're gonna we're gonna win seven more games than last year but we're not done we're gonna get our quarterback maybe next year there's more suffering in store Browns fans what if they were to do that what if they were to say we're running the long long con here the deep game, as it were. Huh? What no. if they do? What That'd if be they crazy. Do. be very hard to sell, wouldn't it? It'd be so painful if you're a Browns fan to go, really? Really? We passed on a quarterback? What if, Zabe, they, just, they did your plan? They took the two best players in the draft. They took Saquon 1, Bradley Chubb 4, and they said, listen, I know we've messed up on quarterbacks since this franchise has come into, an exi- come into existence, but just trust us. Mike White is the future of this franchise. The former Western Kentucky quarterback, we're going to get him in the third round. Everybody's sleeping on him. Uh, he is the next great quarterback. Now there's your uh, there's your old pull the, uh, pull the rug from underneath everyone. Mike was, White. He's Mike, the guy they've been thinking of all, Mike the, all along. Mike White. Well, besides the Fab Five at quarterback, who is next down the list? Everyone says everyone says Mason Rudolph out of Oklahoma State. Okay, and so you could grab he, him in the second. Actually, the Browns are missing a third, aren't they? Or a they're second? missing the first pick in the third round. They traded okay. that to Buffalo. All right, so they've got uh, they've got a second rounder. They could take a quarterback in the second. So assuming that Lamar Jackson's gone in the second, which he might not be, he will be. I know, but you, 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 okay. I think Mason okay. Rudolph might be gone by the second round. There's a chance. Wow. I that doubt that, but that would be a clear overdraft. But teams are desperate for quarterbacks. By the way. Okay, uh, scenario, scenario one is take Sam Darnold, 
watch the the Giants take Barkley, watch the Jets take Baker Mayfield, and then the Browns at number four would take who? With already their quarterback in their pocket. To to real quickly clear it up, the Browns have three second round picks. Holy shit. Yeah. Thirty three, thirty five, and sixty four. Okay. All right, so um, let's so let's say they take Sam Darnold one. Mm-hmm. And then they come to four, having watched the Giants take Barkley and the Jets take Baker Mayfield. Because don't you think that's the most likely? Barkley yes. to the Giants, Mayfield to the Jets. Yes. Okay, I do. So they're now at number four. They've got their quarterback in in their pocket. They they run up. They get Bradley Chubb. Okay. And you put I him think, opposite Miles Garrett, and you're yep. like, we're sick now. Defense. And then you've got you've got Agba, the dude they drafted from Oklahoma State a couple years ago. He becomes a rotational guy. You've got a pretty nasty D-line building there. And, yeah, you've got Garrett, right. number one overall pick, Chubb. And then, and then it, let's say that uh, Chubb is not available. Let's well, Chubb. Say, or no, no, hold, the, wait, wait, hold on. Let's say the Giants. Take Chubb. Trade out of two to a thirsty girl like the Dolphins or the Bills who go up to two to get their quarterback at two. And so now it's gone Sam Darnold and, let's say, Josh Allen, one, two. Okay, and then Baker Mayfield, three, quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Now the Browns have the choice of Chubb or Barkley at four. Then what do you do, Mr. Murray? I think Murray? you go Barkley. You do, okay. Yeah, I think you go Barkley. And I think every he... writer in America declares the Browns just won the draft. Of course. They got, they got their quarterback in the future, and they got Chubb. Or they got Barkley. I just don't see it on Darnold. I, I know that he's supposedly the best all-around guy. I haven't heard a single thing that anyone says Sam Darnold does the best. The best. Agreed. He doesn't have the best arm like Josh Allen. He doesn't have the best pure passing ability like Rosen. He doesn't have the best athleticism like Jackson. And he doesn't have the best, uh, what, attitudinal moxie of Mayfield. He's just Johnny all around, which means it could be Johnny suck around. But we don't know. And that's, what and that's why so when, we did, when we did great mess suck last week, I said he'll be meh. I think yeah. he'll be fine. He'll be, you know, a, a top. He'll be he'll be Case Keenum. He'll be getting contracts in eight years. You'll be like, oh yeah, Sam Darnold. Yeah, good. Yeah, he's okay. <laughs> we could we could deal with him. Yeah. Did you see what Brian Billick said about what went wrong with Kyle Bowler? No. Okay. This is. I would love to hear that. <laughs> All right. This is. Uh, this looks like it's from a book or a, a, a column that he wrote. I think this is a NFL.com column that Billick penned. Here's what he writes. He says, Now one of the main reasons I'm calling games and working for NFL Network and not still coaching for the Ravens is that I was unable to develop a Pro Bowl quarterback during my nine years in Baltimore. It wasn't for lack of trying. In the 2003 NFL draft, we had to get a quarterback. We had gone through the normal progression of cast-offs, even won a Super Bowl at that. But going forward, we needed someone around whom we could build our team. With the 19th pick in the draft, we selected Kyle Bowler of Cal. He excelled in a pro-style offense, had a live arm, and a good head on his shoulders. I remember the tales of, like, man, Kyle Bowler can throw it from the 50-yard line on his knees into the end zone. And they're like, yeah, but if you're on your knees, you're down. So that would be a sack. Phil Savage, then our director of personnel, had been tracking Bowler all year and got more and more excited about him as the year went on. First of all, that's number one rule. Don't fall in love with any of these guys. Don't start getting all juiced up. It clouds your brain. It's literally like falling in love. Mr. Murray, when you're in love, it's a wonderful feeling, but it clouds the logical part of your brain. You don't think this woman is a bitch. She's controlling you. But I'm in love, I tell you. So he's falling in love with Bowler. 
The three main names coming out of that draft were Carson Palmer from USC, Leftwich from Marshall, and Bowler. All had the credentials. All were projected as early first-round picks. He says, you know, the scouts said, each one of them said, well, this guy's good, but... And it's because, according to Billick, it's so that if a player doesn't turn out as projected, the scout can turn back and say, well, I did say he had blank. For these three, the qualifiers were, for, were specific. With Palmer, people worried about his leadership. He did not seem to have a lot of the personal charisma you normally associate with a quarterback. Although he was a bright and young, intelligent man, you could come out of the interview not real fired up about Carson Palmer as a leader. Uh, by the way, how'd that assessment turn out? Was he not a leader? No, I'm just asking. He seemed like he did okay. Yeah. Played I in Carson the Palmer. You played in the league for 15 years. How bad right. could he be? He was not Jeff George. Okay. Such was not the case with the next two. Leftwich and Bowler had energy and leadership ability in spades. The concerns with Leftwich were his previous injuries and lack of mobility in the pocket. For Bowler, it was his accuracy. With Palmer, we liked enough of the rest that we thought he could grow into the leadership role. With Leftwich, we were convinced that his mobility was no worse than a lot of NFL QBs. With Bowler, we decided that his lack of quality receivers at Cal was a significant part of the reason for his lack of accuracy. Now, Mm. scritch, 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 my chinny, chin, chin, Murray. Have we heard that at all this draft? Who does that remind you of? Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Eventually, writes Billick, we were able to secure the New England Patriots' first-round pick, the 19th overall, which we used to take Bowler. By the way, they traded down two spots. The Patriots at 21, with their extra pick, took none other than Vince Wilfork. And now you know the rest of the story. Turned out pretty. This good was the them. draft, uh, Zabe, that, that the time expired with Minnesota. Oh, you found it. Yeah, okay. so I'm looking up the 2003 draft. So Carson Palmer goes one. We interrupt and number we interrupt seven. This bowler anecdote because we're not done yet with the number uh, seven was Byron Leftwich, yeah. who went to Jacksonville at seven. That was Minnesota's spot. Time expired, and then Carolina ran up and drafted a uh, an offensive tackle, Jordan Gross, and then Minnesota two picks later. Drafted Kevin Williams, D-tackle out of Oklahoma State. And Kevin Williams was pretty good as well. Yeah, he was. He starts taking star caps. T-Sizzle was 10th uh, overall yeah. to the Ravens. Okay, now we resume. So with Bowler, we decided, writes Billick, that his lack of accuracy was because of a lack of quality receivers at the time at Cal. Uh, within a couple of years, we had learned that Bowler's inaccuracy was not solely the result of poor receivers at Cal but also Kyle's occasional nervousness in the pocket, which forced his fundamentals to falter at critical times and thus left him a sub-60% completion guy in his career. So it didn't work out for Bowler or for me, writes Billick. I left after the 2007 season. Uh, What did you say there? I left after the 2000... You what? I left. That's weird, Coach Billick, because I recall that you're fired. Don't you love how guys write, I left? Yeah. Oh, what happened on the other job? I left. Yeah? How'd you leave? Didn't really like the way the leadership was. uh, (laughs) Yeah. How'd you leave? Through the front door. Yeah, well, on your own volition. Did security escort you out, or did (laughs) you? uh, How'd you leave? Was your shit in a box when you walked out, yes or no? That's all I want to know. 
If it was and they said, give us your key card, that's that. So the net net on Bowler was this. He got scared. He got nervous in a pro pocket because pro pockets are more dangerous, ferocious, mean places than college pockets. And he got, he just, he didn't have it. He didn't have the fighter pilot nerves it takes to play at the pro level. And I guess either there's no way to know that or maybe, maybe the Ravens didn't do their due diligence. Maybe they didn't say, wait a minute, rewind that play again. Here's some frontside pressure. Why is he resetting his feet? Why is his base narrow here? How come he drops his arm angle? Hmm, let's look more on that. Give me some other cut-ups of plays in which he's got pocket pressure or a muddy pocket, as they say. Boy, it looks like his fundamentals are breaking down when that happens. I wonder why that is. You know what? Next time we have him in or on the phone, let's ask a little bit about that. I guess either they did or they didn't do that. Part of it is their scout or their GM, Savage, started to what, Murray, fall in love with Bowler during the year. When you fall in love with somebody, whether it's a quarterback or a woman, you overlook a lot of things, like she leaves her dirty underwear on the bathroom floor. But guess what? She's great in bed, and she's great in the kitchen. Ah, the draft, it's a mystery. The great in bed is basically, but he's got a big arm. Did you see how far? (laughs) So many of these, well, we could fix the mechanics and whether or not he can pick up a defense, but have you seen that arm? Is that like Like, saying a girl gives a mean blowjob? Pretty much. Oh, yeah, it's the podcast. I don't have to bleep that out. See, that's how late the bleep was on. I can just say, yeah, she gives an awesome blowjob. So therefore, how many coupons does it take to say that word? (laughs) You have to have the drawer of coupons like I do right here in my desk. Can you hear the drawer of coupons there? There it is. You've been saving them up. You've been saving them up. All the swearing coupons you want right there. Let's pivot to the NBA playoffs. Bup, Can bup, we bup, pivot bup, to bup, the breaking bup, news bup, bup. that oh, Mike news. Francesa is coming back to WFAN? Is he coming back or does he want to come back? No. Now, New York Daily News is reporting he's coming back, Zabe, 3 to 7 p.m. Get the fuck out. They're pulling the plug on the Maggie Gray, Chris Carlin, Bart Scott fiasco after three months? All right, so from the New York Daily News. Because, by the I'm... way, as we tape this on Tuesday morning, mm-hmm. and actually it will air today, uh, the Zabe Castle Post at noon today. Um, a- 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 as of this morning, Francesa was quoted in Newsday. I want to I wanna come back. saying, I want to come back mainly because people at FEM were conspiring against me coming back and saying you better not come back so now mike francis is like fuck it i am coming back so this uh this from the new york daily news it was updated at 10:34 we are taping at 10:56 so 22 <laughs> minutes ago okay unless there is a last minute snag in negotiations mike sports pope francesa will soon return to wfan the daily news has learned Francesa will head back into the 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. slot, according to well-embedded Hudson Street Rats fan headquarters. Oh, my God. The sources say, Zabe, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. will be divided between Joe Bignone. Joe Joe Benigno. Benigno Benigno and Evan Roberts. Currently, fans tend to... 
So the 10 to 3 a.m. team is going to be split, and the show of Carlin, Gray, and Scott will go into that 10 to 3 slot. So they're going to split the Benigno and Robert show, I guess, in half. And they'll move. And Carlin, Gray, and Scott are going to move to mid mornings. Correct. And I sources did not. Yeah. Sources did not know Frances's exact starting date, but said it would be soon. <laughs> <laughs> wow! What was the point of all this? Unbelievable! He did. He milked this fucking retirement tour to the bottom of the barrel. I well, mean, and he they, was and they gave him a big send off, and and he, he they named the studio a, after him. He bragged about how he uh, didn't want uh, that he didn't want to stay. They like were begging him to stay. He said no, and then afterwards, when uh, what's his name got pinched in the morning, Carton, Carton by yeah. the feds, they went to him again and said, "God, with all this upheaval in our lineup, maybe could you think about staying?" And he's like, "Nah, I'd do anything to help the company, but I've I've committed to doing this, and I'm going to go do something else in life." And now he's coming back. Oh my God! We're... Heath Slaycott. Yes, yeah. He he hasn't come fast enough. Uh, he have you heard come the... fast enough? Yeah. Have you heard the stuff about him and Shoatani? Like, what? Otani oh, yeah. Yeah. terrible. Yeah, absolutely killing Shoatani. <laughs> saying this guy's it's going to be the biggest disaster. He's going to say the Yankees are lucky to not have him. Yeah, well, instead and then they, got... they then they had like uh, like a, a couple months earlier. It's like the Yankees will definitely go after Otani. Oh yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> but it, you know, he's now at the point where he's such a familiar, comforting voice. Oh yeah, in the afternoons, he's the nobody, Pope, man, nobody gives a fuck if he's wrong. Mm-hmm. Nobody gives a fuck if he's completely delusional and contradicts himself. They just want that bossy New York voice. That that voice of I am the sports guy. It doesn't matter. Being right doesn't matter. That's one thing I want you, young Jedi, to get through your head. Being right doesn't pay. Well, it as we talked pay. about yesterday, uh, it doesn't matter. It, it, or not yesterday, last week. It was all about uh, you know hot takes and doesn't fucking matter. Problem well, is, research shit doesn't matter. Problem is how 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 much can you live with yourself by doing the most sleazy. Lamo, hot takery, getting into you know these feuds and these arguments. At some point, if you try to be a normal guy, you have to ask yourself, like, who are my friends? Like, who are Colin Coward's friends? Is he a guy's guy? Does he? I mean, I guess he probably does have friends that Do are people... in the million dollar club. Like, he has millionaire friends, and so those are his friends, right? I mean, what about? Who are Skip Bayless's friends? Who are Clay Travis's friends? Another good point. Uh, I never mm-hmm. hear Travis talking about my buddy so and so. Yeah, I went out and got beers with my boys. My oh. my 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 Mississippi State fan pal Mongo or anything like that. Almost like he's angling himself so that he's always the star of the show. He's always the center of the universe and the stars and the moon, and there's nobody else. Like he doesn't want to share anything but him and that that could be a calculated strategy and it could be the correct strategy for making the most of his career and the most money i just i can't do that i can't not be a normal person i just can't like will kane this guy now who is trying to make a run of it as the token conservative on espn like i listen to his stuff his stuff his shtick and i say to myself okay 
that was you know that was decently done that there was a little bit of artfulness to the way you crafted that argument but dude listen to yourself you sound like a douchebag like who would want to sit next to you on a plane and have a conversation like this this is not even a conversation so yeah interesting yeah i don't i don't get i don't get it with i mean he's yeah he's the other side of the argument all the time but you don't always have to be the other side no you don't there doesn't always have to be another side. And that's what, when he would host with Rosillo, Rosillo would like turn to him and be like, do you really believe that? I think that's why Rosillo quit. Because <laughs> they were going to force the two to work together. And he's like, you know what? I'm not long for this world. Okay, what else is quickly on our to-do list here? And then are, do you have a fuck that guy for this week? I uh, gave yeah, one I yesterday. Some, I got some fuck that guys. I've got one yesterday. I'm now debating whether or not I should give a fuck that guy three or four times a week. Because mm. I don't want to be too negative. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be happiness, peace, and love, man. I don't want to rip everybody. You could do uh, you could do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, fuck that guy. Tuesday, Thursday, love that guy. I uh, I made Lance. You're right. I could do that. I made Lance Stevenson my fuck that guy for his four step walk the other night. <laughs> okay, I, I'm glad you're on with me today. I'm glad you're on with me today because I know the greatest thing ever. It, it was the greatest thing oh, ever. Of course, it was him too. Okay, you as a basketball <sighs> player understands this acutely. Coaches lose their mind, basketball coaches, about every possession. They rerun every possession in games in their head after tough losses, including ones from the first half. Like, God damn it, you know, we didn't get a good screen for an open three when we should have had it, and that affected things. So they live possession by possession. And yet NBA players oftentimes, like Lance Stevenson, don't give two shits about possession. They don't give two shits about valuing the ball. And they then take four steps without dribbling 65 feet away from the basket. It must drive coaches to the madhouse. When he – so I don't know if you were watching the game live, but when they called traveling – and I'm like, he was what? kind of incensed. Like they just no, they just yeah, he was incensed. I'm like, wow, this must have he must have taken one step and they must have banged him for it. And then they showed the replay. One, two, three, four. Hey, bro, <laughs> just, just he like put it's it not like even a, a, he was a like running back. Yeah, like doesn't that feel weird? <laughs> if you're a basketball player, your whole life, you kids, know, kids dribble to and from school in the playground on sidewalks just to practice their handle off uneven sidewalks and cracks in the street and just to get one with the basketball. I'm moving, I'm bouncing. I'm moving, I'm bouncing. You never walk with it in your hand. You know, when you get called for a travel, almost every time you're like, yeah, I traveled. Yeah, I mean, maybe, yeah, you sh- maybe you shuffled your feet and you didn't feel it and you're like, oh, that's complete bullshit. But for the 99% of the time, and if you don't get called for you're like, Wow, I just I just got away with that one. I yeah. completely traveled. You know, you know that was that was unbelievable. But when he took the ball away from LeBron and he held it up like it was a trophy after the jump ball, <laughs> it's just it's now incredible. is there is there not a value even as much of a knucklehead as he is? Is there not a value in having a Lance Stevenson on your team? If he's in the agitator? right situation, he definitely is worth it. Okay. But if he like when he went to Charlotte and they weren't very good and he was supposed to be like their best player, he doesn't work there. But when he is, he's only off the good. Bench, he's only he's only useful when your team is contending, right? And he can get under the skin of a star player on the other team, right? He is. I, mean, I wouldn't say kryptonite because LeBron still scored thirty-two points against the Pacers, but he can. He, I mean, he got LeBron to get teed up. I mean, that, yeah. that's pretty darn impressive. People pretty don't get under his skin very often. All right, real quick, uh, before we get to fuck that guy, Wizards prediction. 
They're tied 2-2 of the Raptors right now. I was so happy to be wrong about this. Because they played they they, they played great. What were you Friday wrong about? Sunday. You thought they'd get swept? Well, we call, I, you were like, what's wrong with the Wizards? I was like, they're soft. They're a bunch of bitches. There's no way they're, they're going to be able to play this. That's right. And now they soft played nothing. they played they well. Hard. John Wall was a, okay. was a beast. All right, so quick prediction going forward. How many games of this series? And do they win I think it? it goes seven. I think they lose game seven okay. because it's D.C. All right, well, there you go. Here we go, everybody. Buckle up. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. All right, Murray, who's your nominee for the week? I've got two guys, not particular guys, uh, Fuck just those in general. guys. Yeah. But maybe, unless you want me to go two, I'll just, I'll, I'll go one. Because I know this guy, you've said many of times on the air, Fuck this guy. Amateur program point. directors. Okay. Amateur. Guys who, as you have on the text line, 33099, oh, oh, Zabe. God, how are you talking about the NFL draft, man? Nobody cares. The nobody cares No one guy. cares about the NBA. I'm like, listen here, motherfucker. Do you want to do a show for four hours? What would you like us to talk about? The NFL draft is extremely popular. And a lot of people are talking guy. about it. The nobody cares guy. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Nobody cares guy. Nobody cares. We got... We got a text to the morning show that he would rather hear us talk about week one baseball than the NBA playoffs. I'm like, I know. I I'm sorry, dude. I you may not like the NBA, but it's the playoffs. We don't talk January NBA on this show. That's not what we do. And I know you don't do that. But when it's the playoffs, it's kind of a big deal. And also, football's not going on. You would really like us to break down the A's and Twins game last no, night no. as opposed to the... No. Get the fuck out of here. So, yeah, the amateur PD slash nobody cares guy. Right. You just, keep, you, you just keep driving your Camry or Corolla or whatever piece of junk you're driving, and you listen to what we put out over the airwaves, and you like it. Or go turn the channel right. and find some other sports radio host who sucks even worse than we do, who's even more boring than we are, who talks about shit you really, really, don't care about even if more. you're getting on our ass zabe about talking too much nba turn on espn radio turn on cowherd that's all they talk about it's they really only bad. talk about and it, whoa their daily lebron versus jordan debate get we don't do that shit I agree. so if you're telling us yeah go right. away uh my fuck that guy is a rod yet again this week <laughs> i mean seriously i'm tired of his bullshit on sunday night baseball you okay now nah, i'm done with him i'm done with him all right, Mr. Murray, for those that want to follow you on Twitter because you're a super sweet, hot follow, what do you got? At, at one Tim Murray, number one, one Tim, Tim Murray. Murray. And, of course, listen to Tim with the boys on SB Nation AM. Uh, not sure what stations you're on. You're not on satellite. There We're might on be some stations. You're on some, some stations. stations. Some stations carry us. Some stations don't. Go to the website, SB Nation AM there or SBNation.com. Thank you, Timmy. Thank you. All right, we'll end with this. I just don't understand our criminal justice system sometimes, and I think quite possibly it is the worst system in the world, with the one exception of every other system in the world and every other country and every other government. We have the worst, but it's still the best, if that makes any sense. It, it's just ridiculous. A county employee in Brownsville, Texas, has been sentenced to 50 years in jail. 
Now, I'm going to stop you right there and say, well, wait a minute. He must have done something really, really horrible, like, you know, abducted several children, dismembered them, and then put them into a giant vat of pea soup and served it to other kids at the school. Is that what he did for 50 years in jail? No. He's been sentenced to 50 years in jail for fajita theft. I kid you not. Former Cameron County Juvenile Detention Center employee said he started out stealing small amounts of fajitas bought with county funds, but that his scheme soon ballooned, spinning out of control. 53-year-old Gilberto Escamilla says, I feel horrible. I wish I could take this back. It was selfish. It started small and got bigger and got out of control. It got to a point where I couldn't control it anymore. Members of the Cameron County District Attorney's Office arrested him in a sting last year after a driver from Labatt Food Service called the detention center's kitchen to let employees know that their 800-pound delivery of fajitas had arrived. Turns out that minor inmates at the detention center are not served fajitas. Bum, 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 bum. We got you now. You're ordering 800 pounds of fajitas. Well, everyone knows. Juvenis, juvies don't get fajitas. The total value of the fajitas, which were stolen during a nine-year period, so it was a long-running grift, ended up, uh, turned out to be $1.251 million. And the figure does not include the brisket, pork chops, sausage, and various types of chicken that Escamilla also admitted to stealing, according to court testimony. Now that's bad. That's that's some serious ass theft. One point two million dollars. But fifty years. The DA's office asked the judge to give the defendant fifty years because the amount of money stolen and because. Escamilla was a public servant and to send a strong message to other public servants, don't try to grift on the government's dime. Meanwhile, his attorneys had asked to to consider probation or at most five years in prison, adding that the man should be given a chance to repay the stolen taxpayer funds. I doubt he would have chipped away much in his remaining years. At the $1.2 million in fajitas that he stole. But 50 fucking years? Are you kidding me? 50 years. Meanwhile, the wife of Omar Mateen, who clearly knew about her husband's plan to go slaughter 50 people in a gay nightclub in Orlando, she just got acquitted in her trial. How? Why? This guy, the father of the Waffle House shooter in Tennessee, who gave his son's guns back to him after the government had seized them because they're like, hey, this guy's fucking crazy. He should not be having guns. And they gave him to his father. And his father's like, yeah, I gave him back to him. Oh, four people are dead now. A lot of people are wounded. Great. How come that father is not in prison right now? How come that fucker is not going to jail for 50 years? And I'm not excusing fajita theft. That's a, a serious thing, you know. You can't be doing that. I'd say a year in prison and probation after that with uh, restitution would be an appropriate thing. But 50 years? Get out of here. Tortilla crime doesn't pay. That'll be a wrap for today. Oh, did I say wrap? Sorry. 
You know the drill. Tell two friends and the guy in the toll booth. Leave a positive review. Download, subscribe at all the major podcast outlets, iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and more. And as Abraham Lincoln once said, no man is good enough, has a good enough memory to be a successful liar. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.